0: See, I want to turn this one up instead of down. Ah, yes. Oh, anyway, it's, uh, it's been a busy couple of weeks, and uh, unfortunately, uh, Jason and I haven't been able to join you for the past two, but we are going to uh, start the show with renewed vigor starting tonight, talking about week 10 all the way up through week 16. So, uh, so, Jason, let's talk about what we're drinking and uh, just your general feelings over the past couple of weeks. You know, how your teams are doing, how uh, Fantasy's been treating you.
1: All right. Well, uh, Fantasy's been all right with me so far. All right with um, you. You know, not, not doing too bad, uh, not doing as well as I'd hope, you know, somewhere in the middle, right? But tonight, uh, I am enjoying the beer, of course. It is the Founders All Day IPA, one of my favorite IPAs because it's a... Much lighter IPA, right? And you can drink it all day, as the uh, as the label says. But we can call it Election Day IPA today.
0: Sure, yeah. The uh, The name definitely describes this one, and uh, it's it's one of the better ones. I've never been to Founders uh, Brewery, which I think is in Michigan, uh, mm-hmm. so it's on my list of places to go. But uh, the beers I've had of theirs have all been, been really solid.
1: We should have thought ahead and gotten a Blue State beer and a Red State beer.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sure. Although, uh, you know, what's interesting, and I don't want to talk too much about politics, but what's interesting to me... Well,
1: why did you send like a whole breakdown of all of the swing states and all of the meaningful congressional races? <laughs> Those like, were the wrong it notes. seems like that's what you were going to talk about tonight.
0: Those must have been the wrong notes that you received. I oh, apologize. I see. All
1: right, good. We can spend 90 minutes without any election stuff. <laughs>
0: well, what I was going <laughs> to say is, uh, you know, I, I have in the past tuned into election night to see all the numbers of the polls coming in, et cetera. Um, but a lot of it is just uh, it's it's kind of silly until the end, you know. Watching all the numbers, and I remember, have uh, you seen a lot of movies where they do like the election stuff? Uh, I forget the names of. Uh,
1: yeah, Dave, I'm a West World ju- or a West Wing junkie. West Wing. also a West World junkie. At West Wing's point. not a movie, but West Wing. Fair yeah, enough. but West Wing has two major presidential elections in it. Sure, but I, I'm they talk- have whiteboards with markers and state maps drawn on them. It's great.
0: <laughs> The, uh, there's actually one uh, recently with Sandra Bullock in it that was pretty good too. I uh, was not expecting it to be, but it really was. Okay. And all those kinds of movies are really neat because they talk about the uh, the groups of people behind the politicians and the stuff that the politicians aren't even necessarily involved in. Anyway, my whole point was just that people watch all night and nights like this and other election nights, and sometimes it doesn't even determine the actual victor until you know the following day, etc. So more power to you. But uh, if you're Sometimes listening... Sometimes
1: it takes a few days, as we learned in 2000.
0: True. And, and when Al Gore demanded a recount. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're going to move on to fantasy football, which is uh, a lighter subject for some people. Although there are some fantasy managers that have teams that are in, in really big pickles right now. And they might even be more interested... Uh, you know, heaven forbid, I know, but more interested in what's going on in the NFL and on their teams than in which, uh, person's going to, to become the next president.
1: <laughs> I know that it has a much more immediate effect on me, you know, whether or not some of my guys are going to start this week.
0: Right. So, uh, we got the, the beer thing out of the way. Uh, we are not drinking any other kinds of beer, so it's going to be an all night IPA as it were.
1: All right. We can just keep renaming the beer as much as we want.
0: Sure. <laughs> oh, I'm interested to see what you have next. I, don't I prefer know.
1: the all canned all day IPA.
0: You don't like the all bottle IPA? It's oh, all it's bottle, all bottle right. all night IPA. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right with you? Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's go into some news and injury and uh, updates. And uh, the first one that I thought we should bring up is uh, is the Browns. So the Browns have the worst record in football and are tied for a lot of teams in, in historically in, in the NFL uh, to have the worst record of all time, perhaps. Um, being or, or saying that it doesn't necessarily mean that there's no one on the team that is of fantasy value. So we've got uh, Corey Coleman, who has just come back from an injury, Terrell Pryor, who has been uh, sort of a startling discovery. Um, I know that we thought, we talked about him last year and the year before, he was a very athletic, talented guy. But I don't think anybody thought he would be this good. We didn't think that he would turn into a wide receiver and be just uh, you know a game-changing kind of a player. He so He has
1: several games with over 100 receiving yards now. He has plenty of touchdowns. He's worthy of the WR2 uh, con- discussion every week.
0: Yeah, basically these uh, these transitional players, the guys that go from one position to another, they, they don't <laughs> often turn out to be good stories. Sometimes there's some stuff that happens there or they have a couple good games, but then people figure them out. But it looks like he's going to be good. So the the story is Cody Kessler uh, is being told by Brown's staff and coaching, etc., that they want him to take more shots downfield. And that's... Excellent news, I think, for both Pryor and Coleman, because uh, the Browns, when you watch them play, uh, generally look like they are just kind of a scared football team. Um, And if Kessler really does develop and start taking more shots, these guys could go from wr two plays to uh, you know borderline or even wr one plays.
1: Excellent, and definitely this week, um, the Baltimore Ravens, I believe, are giving up the second or third, uh, the fourth most. Points to opposing wide receivers, so we might so, see a lot
0: of points in that game, Baltimore versus yeah, Cleveland.
1: Yeah, they're the highest play uh, team that isn't giving up twenty eight point one four points.
0: Yeah, and Coleman is still flying a little bit under the radar. He was a waiver wire target for a lot of people, but the fact that Coleman didn't come out of the box, you know, with a great game last week, and I think I, I don't have the stats with me. I think he had like fifty yards or sixty yards or something on a couple catches.
1: Uh, that's pretty close. I got it for you.
0: Um, so I. I think that he's still a good target if you're going to try to trade before the trade deadline, um, or if he's available on a wire or in dynasty leagues to pick up someone like that. Probably not dynasty leagues, being that he's
1: unlikely in a dynasty league. A
0: top rookie
1: in Yahoo, he is 55 percent owned. Last week, three catches for 41 yards, seven targets though. Uh, that's you know encouraging.
0: Yeah, and I think, and I don't know if you agree with me, but I think that that will go up, and I think that their offense will continue to have a lot of passes in it, um, mainly due to the fact that they can't win any game, so they're always behind.
1: Yeah, I mean, this game coming up on Thursday against the Ravens kind of looks like the makings of a shootout when you look at it on paper because both teams have such bad defenses, and maybe that will translate to like a thirty-one twenty-eight kind of game with plenty of fantasy points, but I could also see it being... Thirteen to ten, just because neither team's able to get anything going and like figure anything out, and it'll be a Thursday night. You know, one of those games when they say, "Why do they play football on Thursday night?" (laughs) Which is what I say every Thursday.
0: (laughs) That was an impression of yourself (laughs) on the couch, like you bastards. (laughs) It's
1: disgruntled.
0: Um, Okay, well, moving on. Ingram and Hightower both had wonderful games last week. Um, I think Ingram had 150 plus and. Uh, Hightower had like 87 yards or 100, or 100, I'm not sure. But they both scored touchdowns. Ingram had two. There was so many yards rushing by the Saints. And uh, it looks like the coaches are still saying we're going to go with the hot hand. Um, we're going to mix in Hightower. And that makes sense to me. But it's, it's apparent, I think, to people that watch the game that Ingram is the better back. That's never really been a question.
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody's ever disagreed with that.
0: But I, I don't really... Uh, I mean, I do think that they're still going to mix in Hightower a lot. A lot more than they did last year. It just seems to be working okay for them the past couple of games, and it looks like that's what they're going to continue to do. At least until Ingram's out of a doghouse, if he's even in one. Sean Payton might not be long for uh, uh, for the Saints.
1: Um. Well, that may be, but... Certainly Mark Ingram, you know, isn't going to stay in a doghouse for very long.
0: Well, last year, I mean, if you're talking about last week, he's obviously not in a doghouse. Had like, what, 28 carries or something, so... No,
1: 15 carries.
0: Okay, just 150 yards.
1: 158 yards, (laughs) Well, you know, Tim Hightower did have like seven more touches than Ingram, and I think they will continue to split, but obviously Ingram is going to put up way more production.
0: Oh, well, and that's the thing. I mean, if he's going to put up more production, then it's, isn't it hard as a coach to, to not put him in more often? That's, this is the age-old thing that we talk about occasionally, where we've got the Jamal Charles-Thomas-Jones syndrome. And certainly, Ingram is not Jamal Charles, but you, you generally want to put in the more productive back.
1: Sure, but the coaches aren't necessarily looking to maximize production from every player. They want to maximize production from the team as a whole. So if going with the Thomas Jones, Jamal Charles approach works better for them to win games, which they have won the last two games, then I think that Sean Payton sticks with that and says, I'm winning, I don't care what you think.
0: I think that's a good point. Uh, I agree with you, and uh, I think that's why we'll continue to see Tim Hightower, even if it's not in a, in a purely split role, we're still going to see a lot of them.
1: Both guys are going to get like, a decent amount of looks and be in the conversation every week. It, certainly Ingram will be starting still.
0: Yeah. Um, Steelers coach Mike Tomlin talking about Roethlisberger's performance. Uh, he said that he was not 100% but it seems to me as a Steelers fan that every time Ben comes back he comes back a week too early and then he bounces back and he's back to his old self and throws three touchdowns. I think that's what's going to happen here as well. I wanted to get your uh, your personal opinion on on how this all went down. I think personally they just they can't stand to have Landry Jones or their their other backups that are just not good enough in that position. So even when right. Ben comes back and he's not good, they he's, still start him.
1: He's a better option than Landry Jones. So I think that, you know, you know, I'm not in the trainer's room with Ben, but I, I kind of think that he may struggle again this week just because he can't, he can't have that kind of bounce-back pattern for his entire career. He's <laughs> going to get a little bit older, going to break down a little bit more.
0: And Frank Gore um, is not going to continue to be a running back. That, and that and scores... this is a
1: really tough game for them. I mean, it's not <laughs> like it's going to be the kind of game where he can get healthy on them. So a game against Dallas is going to be a very tough one for Roethlisberger. Uh, I think that Dallas wins this game. I think that Dak Prescott outperforms Ben Roethlisberger. I think Roethlisberger plays better than last week, but maybe only like 250 and two touchdowns, uh, and Le'Veon Bell is the reason they can stay in the game.
0: Interesting, I, I, there's a lot of Dallas supporters out there and for good reason they're playing really good football. Um, I, I tend to think when this sort of thing happens, just like in baseball, although over a longer pattern and longer period of time, there's you know upswings and downswings. I don't think that the Cowboys can continue this level of production and success with their new quarterback all throughout the entire season, like say the New England Patriots could. I just don't see that happening with their organization. Uh, but I don't know when that dip's going to come, and you're totally right that coming into this game, it looks like Dallas is uh, is going to be the one favored, even though on paper, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, we would never have said that probably. I
1: think that dip may come in the playoffs if they have to play Seattle, or I think even Atlanta could give them a really tough time. But I think the regular season, the Cowboys got this right now.
0: He's a, he's a cowboy bandwagon guy over here. Well, I mean, I'm I not caught a, like, him
1: fan. I'm not rooting for them. I caught him at. I just a, think that they're the best team in the NFC right now.
0: I caught him at Dick Sporting Goods buying a Dallas Cowboy hat, the one with the 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 star on it. That's three colors. Have you seen that?
1: <laughs> what three colors?
0: Um, I don't know. (laughs) You got me. It's not real. It's not real. It's not a real hat. Uh, Jaquiz Rogers and Doug Martin are both still not practicing, not to mention Charles Sim and Antone Smith, who are both on IR. So that means that the majority of the backfield of Tampa Bay is not playing football. And Peyton Barber, who's really the only guy there that's kind of left and uh, can sit there in an early down role, is getting the start. So he did pretty well. Uh, last week, and that was with a lot of other guys looking at the ball and uh, an uncertainty factor, definitely, for, for Barber because he's a very new player. So do you think that Barber is going to be a decent-looking play versus Chicago? I, I personally do. I, I think that Barber is a good play because every time they have anybody in there on the backfield who gets the majority of snaps, he tends to have a you know above-average fantasy game.
1: Yeah, I don't think that the Bears uh, have figured much out. They beat Minnesota, but we've seen Minnesota lose three in a row now. So clearly, you know, it's not as impressive as it once looked before the bye week. Um, The Bears sometimes play well against good opponents, and they play poorly against poor opponents. It happens all the time. Uh, I believe that this game is going to be in Tampa Bay as well. Um, So I, I think that the Bears wind up losing this game and that Tampa, you know, has a good... Productive game.
0: Yeah, I I mean, looking at at guys like Mike Evans and the success that Jameis Winston has had, although he had struggles in the first part of this season, he has, in general, been a decent quarterback, and that's what you need. Good receiver, fantasy wise. Good receiver, good line. Uh, good quarterback, that means that the running back can have a lot of success because uh, the, the opposing defense is not stacking the box against you, and they have other guys to go up and, and you know look at and defend against. So I agree. Um, Barber's probably already picked up in, in a lot of uh, good leagues with smart players, but like you said... Uh, Coleman's only owned in 55%. I would be surprised if Barber is owned in much more than that, if if that much. Peyton
1: Barber? Yeah. 18%.
0: Exactly. So he's, got,
1: Yeah, he's he's available out there. He's
0: available. He's He's got to be a pretty good waiver wire target for this particular week uh, because none of those guys are going to come back. It looks like Rodgers just got out of a walking boot, Doug Martin's not ready, and the other guys can't come off IR. Yeah, this
1: could be like Rodgers was a few weeks ago where you're going to get a few weeks of starts out of him and just volume-based value there.
0: Mm-hmm. Fitzpatrick is gonna start one more time in week ten, even after spraining his MCL. So
1: he has to lose one more game, is that it?
0: Terrible season. <laughs> uh a billion interceptions, doing badly in general, uh talking to <sighs> the press and, and saying things he shouldn't say, and then going into an injury which would normally take a couple of weeks, but you can play through it. It's a pain tolerance injury. It's not like Fitzpatrick is, you know, is rushing down the field like a like a Mariota. Fitzpatrick
1: or something. is pretty convinced that if he stops playing quarterback, they'll never give him another chance. And
0: I think he's right.
1: He may be right, yeah.
0: And so my question is, uh, Bryce Petty is kind of the guy of the future there for right now at least. Uh, they need to let him play because uh, the, not only the fans calling for it, but the team is not going to make it to the playoffs. Like, let's just forget this, right? They don't have Decker. They've got a bunch of injuries. Uh, granted, they got Forte, and Forte looks good. We'll talk about him later. But with, with basically just Brandon Marshall and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick playing at a sub-optimum level, how can you expect to, to continue at any high level of production?
1: I mean, I think what happens is if they, if they do that to like Forte and Marshall before they're eliminated, then they're going to lose the locker room. <laughs> like Forte and Marshall will not stand for that. Even though they're old and they kind of know it, like any football player is like, I can win this game. So those guys still think that until they're eliminated, they have a chance to win it.
0: Well, and they do, and I get that. But, like, is Fitz, Fitz is literally going to have to, like, have his leg chopped off in order for in him, order to order him to not play. Daughter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I totally agree. Once they're officially mathematically That's eliminated, so funny. That's so which funny. would be their 8th or ninth loss. Uh, but I think they only have 7. I don't know what their record is right now.
0: It's going to be a game or two. So, yeah. And they could win a game still. I mean, they're not the worst team. They're, they're better than Cleveland.
1: They're one of the worst teams. <laughs> not, they have three wins. They're not the worst team. <laughs> I know. They still have a week 11 bye, uh, five, six losses. So, I mean, they still need to lose a couple of games. But, you know, this week they play Los Angeles. Next, I mean, off of bye, they play New England. So forget that one.
0: Yeah, we Um, talked about uh, earlier today, actually, right, how New England and the Jets still play twice in the season. Twice. So that's two losses right there. (laughs) That's great.
1: But, you know, it's not like they're going to wait until week 17 to start Bryce Petty either.
0: No, no. And uh, Deion Lewis, uh, you know, I should say who he is. So for, for those of you who are new to uh, to fantasy football, for example, Deion Lewis is a guy who came on pretty strong in New England and uh, was a great kind of uh, all-purpose back and, and got a lot of uh, passes in the backfield, great in PPR leagues, and then also got a whole bunch of touchdowns. And then when LeGarrette Blount come, came back because Deion Sims was uh, was taken out, I believe because of injury or something like that, Um, then he started being the guy to own in the New England backfield. James White was a guy who's been present for a couple years now, who's actually done okay this year, but not really anything to speak of lately, and it looks like Deion Lewis, if he plays in Week 10, could totally take over that role. So what I'm asking is, if he does come back, is James White droppable Uh, And I know that you don't necessarily know all of this information now, but the whole idea of our conversation with you guys out there uh, is to kind of, uh, you know, uh, know the things before they actually happen. So uh, in your opinion, does Deion Sims coming back mean that James White is not fantasy relevant?
1: Well, I suppose so. If only because there's not enough room. There's not enough room there for three running backs. Um, And Deion Lewis is a better player. But, boy, am I not like convinced that dropping... White oh, Lewis.
0: Had. I keep saying Sims. Yeah, Deion Lewis.
1: Deion yeah. Lewis, yes. Deion Sims, I believe, is the tight end in Miami? Yes, correct. Okay. Charles Sims, the ex run, the would running back. All the Sims. We can just connect the names for a little while. <laughs> um, But, yeah, I mean, James White, you know, uh, I wouldn't start him this week. I don't know if I would drop him unless I had to. But, it, you know... It, if you have to decide between a couple of players that you're not sure about in terms of dropping them, I guess James White would be your first candidate.
0: Well, it sounds like Jason's wishy-washy on I, the I issue. Am. I am wishy-washy. But I'm yeah, going to say James good. White is droppable now, uh, as long as you hear that Deion Lewis is actually going to play. If he's not going to play, then White might have another good game. But the moment that Lewis steps in, I think he takes over that role again. He was uh, much more liked by um, by Bel- Bill Belichick, and that's all that really matters. Right. Um. But, you know, if you're making decisions, black or white, I say it's Dion uh, obviously, over James. But you're right. is Until they say that he's starting and they actually, you know, uh, have the production uh, lost to James White, then you can't say for sure. I just think if we're, uh, if we're looking in hindsight and I want to make a decision that I think will come true, I think James White is uh, going to be dropped by a lot of people uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, oh,
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, he's probably going to be one of the most dropped players just this week.
0: Ty Montgomery on uh, Green Bay Packers will have running back eligibility in Yahoo League starting on Wednesday. I like these kind of administrative news updates. It's not the same as just uh, you know <laughs> us uh, talking about what could happen. Um, in addition to that, Yahoo's also beta testing a new interface for their fantasy football uh, application. And that's super funny because they they redesign the navigation of things every year or two. Like, these guys, they just need to stop. Every
1: single year, I would say.
0: If Microsoft Word was redesigned every single time they came out with a new update, everyone would hate them and move on to something else. But you know what's weird about fantasy football players? They stay in the same spot for a couple of years, and then they're loyal to them forever for some godforsaken reason.
1: People love having the history saved on the leagues.
0: Well, you can even export that in, in some places like Yahoo, but totally agree. Understandable. Uh, if I, I
1: could, you know, I should look into that because that's one of the reasons why I stick around on Yahoo. For the for the large websites that have free, um, you know, fantasy leagues, this is the one that I prefer. I've tried most of them. Um, however, I, I do really like the smaller site flea flicker, probably the most. But
0: I don't really know what the deal is with the history. For me particularly, I know some people are real attached to things that have happened in the past, but once they've happened and you've documented them and you get a trophy, what's the point of going back to two thousand and ten and seeing which person had the highest uh, you know, uh receiving yards on their football team.
1: It's just fun. There's no <laughs> like there's no intricate I- intrinsic value. Well agree agree it, to disagree here. You know, erasing <laughs> all the history just doesn't feel right.
0: I see. Well, then that's the thing. You're, you're getting loyal to uh, to your platform because uh, they're holding your history hostage. I kind of right. like that. It's funny. Uh, well, yeah,
1: that's exactly what's happening.
0: So Montgomery will have running back eligibility there. Now, if you remember, or maybe you don't, Yahoo was one of the last holdouts there, and all the other ones, ESPN and uh, Flea Flicker and these other platforms, all gave him either dual eligibility or, uh, or, or told the commissioners to pick one way or the other. For example, I'm in a league with CBS Sports. And CBS Sports sent out an email to their commissioner saying, uh, we're do not. Uh, we not going to go ahead and change him right now for the same reason as Yahoo because Green Bay was not designating him as a running back. And so they right. told the commissioners, if you want to, you can make him a wide receiver or you can make him a running back and here's how to do it. Um, for Yahoo, now he will have dual eligibility. And that starts on Wednesday. So uh, the other news... Was that he's been training more and more with the running back coaches, et cetera. So, let's be honest. It really does look like Ty Montgomery is, for all intents and purposes, a running back right now.
1: Yes. I mean, he's being used as a running back. He's The majority of his work is coming as carries. Uh, the rest of his passes are passes out of the backfield for the most part.
0: And did you watch the Green Bay game last week?
1: Uh, some of it.
0: So, uh, so he didn't have that great of a performance, but the reason was, if you remember before, he was, uh, he was out with, uh, with an illness, and I think that was due to sickle cell trait, right? Is this the, the right guy I'm talking about?
1: Uh, let's look at his... Uh,
0: so he only played something like 25% of the snaps last week because they were bringing him back into it, and there's news saying and backing that up from the coaches and the players, which he means... He was on
1: a rep count... Exactly.
0: Which means that when he comes back this week, they're expecting him to be 100%. I think people kind of shied off of Montgomery because a lot of people don't watch all the football games. I'm expecting Ty Montgomery to come here blasting um, and and be an amazing... uh, Oh, healthy.
1: I expect him to be one of the most productive players on that offense.
0: Yeah, he'll be an amazing uh, guy to have. In a
1: PPR league, he's the most valuable Packer to have. I mean, unless you are getting like a nice and healthy uh, Randall Cobb.
0: Well, Jordy Nelson's the best Packer, isn't he, at the moment?
1: Well, I'm talking about a PPR league, but yeah, Jordy Nelson is becoming a much better, you know, getting closer to what he used to do. He's had like 100 yards and a touchdown in the last couple of weeks.
0: Well, there you go. That's what you're looking for. He had but
1: a kidney-related illness.
0: You're going to be starting him anyway. Okay, so not, not sickle cell, but the point was that, or maybe it was, I don't know, but the point is that uh, he was still recovering, and so we should expect better things from him now, which is what the whole organization and all the beat reporters have been saying on Twitter. So look into that uh, if you have him or can get him. Sometimes owners, and this is the best time to do it, right before the before the uh, the trade um, the trade deadlines occur in, in different leagues.
1: A lot of leagues are coming up this uh, Saturday is the trade deadline.
0: So uh, this is one of those options where you can look out and say, uh, you know, that guy didn't perform very well for you last week. Maybe he's kind of trending down. But I need one of those guys, so I'll package a couple people for him, and you could end up with someone who will do well for the next couple weeks for you, get you into the playoffs. Because isn't that all that matters now? If you are in a league that, uh, that rewards people in the top half or the or the top quarter or whatever uh, to go into the playoffs after the regular season, then all that matters in the regular season is to make the playoffs.
1: Right. And in most of my leagues, they pay out the top three spots, so make the playoffs and then get in the top half of the playoff teams
0: so you're saying the strategy is win the money in the league by win becoming one of the can. best teams
1: yes well, well... You've revealed my secrets to everyone.
0: Usually, you have to pay like $300 to websites to find out that kind of information.
1: Yeah, that is some... That's a top tip you'll only hear.
0: <laughs> so, right Yahoo here. Yahoo gives in. Yahoo redesigning again. You heard it here first. And everywhere else on your Yahoo uh, desktop versions.
1: <laughs> as many places as they can tell you about it.
0: Will David Johnson score a million points this week against the 49ers? Because my magic eight ball says probably yes.
1: So, uh, earlier today when we're working on our <laughs> rankings, I'm like, Dave... I'm noticing these matchups, and in the top ten of every position, nobody's got a good matchup. Everyone's playing really tough teams. And then I looked at it one more time, and I realized, except for David Johnson, who has the greatest matchup of the year. (laughs) He's the best running back in the league, playing against an almost historically bad rushing defense. He's going to have 40 carries and 350 yards, probably five touchdowns. But that's the first half.
0: Yeah, there there was a meme uh that I saw recently and uh it was just the running backs against the 49ers and so far this year basically everyone even if they're a name that you wouldn't uh you wouldn't know that wouldn't be on your short list they were still all getting 100 yards because the 49ers have a terrible rushing defense this year and that's that's just the facts man. <laughs> so I look for David Johnson to get a million points. You heard it here first.
1: They're giving up you know the most fantasy points against thirty points a game in a standard league, which is four more than four points higher than the second best team.
0: Sure, and since uh, much like Le'Veon Bell's situation on Arizona, Chris Johnson uh, and and Andre Ellington don't really play, it's going to be all the points for
1: David opposing Johnson. teams are averaging thirty two carries per game against them. They've given up um, twenty nine or more points three times. That's great. It's about to be four.
0: So uh It was
1: already 30 points to David Johnson earlier this year.
0: 30 points to David Johnson.
1: It'll be nice.
0: I hope I you guys a- own David Johnson out there. I know I do.
1: I got a little David Johnson in my team.
0: Will you have me another uh all bottle all nights IPA? Next time I'll get the all can all day. <laughs> Election Day IPA. All right, so now it's time for uh, a couple of surprises from last week. And I want to talk to you about this specifically. Colin Kaepernick, who most experts did put in the top 15 quarterbacks. He had the most yards out of any quarterback last week with 398 He had two touchdowns and one interception. So, a great game out of Kaepernick. He didn't have the most touchdowns, you know, not not at all, but 398 yards versus New Orleans. So, what does that tell you, one, about Kaepernick, and two, about the Saints?
1: Uh, It tells me that Kaepernick probably lost his game because all of the passing leaders always lose their games. Um, But, you know, I think it says more about the Saints' terrible defense. And they had a few good plays because Kaepernick also isn't isn't as great, but... um, You know, thirty-nine passing attempts, three hundred and ninety eight passing yards, that's pretty good for Colin Kaepernick. Um if he can, you know, not throw that interception, uh then it looks like a very good performance, honestly. But whenever you see those turnovers and stuff, you know, you're gonna get worried. Okay, and and
0: you're right that uh a lot of times the the top guys that guys that throw the most yards are not the winners. The the next uh top Quarterback, as far as passing yards is concerned, had 364, and that was Carson Wentz. There were no 400-yard quarterbacks uh, this particular week, but I'm expecting some next week, for example. 100-yard uh, rushers, Melvin Gordon tops the list with 196 and a touchdown on the ground. Uh, of course, they beat Tennessee 43-35, to 35, so you'd expect that one of the league leaders in a lot of things, Melvin Gordon, is going to have a really nice game, and of course he did. So let's talk about the the fact that Melvin Gordon was probably like a fifth or sixth round pick, um, in in most redraft leagues this
1: year. Oh man, uh, probably. You know, so, so he's he's that pick that you know. There's always a middle round running back that winds up being the best running back or one of the best running backs of the year, and you know those are one you know those teams usually do very very well.
0: Sure. I mean, we're still working on how you figure that out exactly. Um, right. <laughs> You know, but, nobody
1: thought that the guy who didn't score any touchdowns would be the one to do it, but Well, there were some some people that were Some people thought that. I am sure.
0: They were into Melvin Gordon for various reasons.
1: But it's not like he was that Okay, so his uh his overall was oh wow, 66. So the 24th running back. I saw 24, I'm like, "Oh no, that's early."
0: In ADP But it or was in it specifically
1: ADP uh 24 uh for running backs alone. 66 overall.
0: Right. So, okay. So, so it would be like a 6th, 7th round probably where he was normally taken. Um, Mark Ingram was the next hit, 158, followed by Latavius Murray. Jay Ajayi is the fourth guy there, 111 and a touchdown. He has been great for the past couple of weeks. And uh, the coaching staff and and Adam Gase and everybody on the Dolphins is super happy that they have a guy like Jay Ajayi. Um, I remember uh, several weeks ago we talked about Arian Foster, the fact that Foster was out, fact that Ajayi was doing well, it kind of means that he's their guy for however long running backs get to be a guy. Um, and that could be anything from three weeks to four years.
1: What's, what's kind of fun is that, you know, Foster isn't injured. He's retired. So there's no chance of him coming back. So yeah. you, you're good with Ajayi, like certainly for the rest of the year. You got him in Dynasty. You know, you may have just found your way into something that'll work for a couple years.
0: Well, this is one of those lock it down moments. Yeah, because the trade deadline has already passed in the NFL. Uh, there's not really any free agents there that would do anything about it. Arian Foster's no longer there. Kenyon Drake is not a threat. Damian Williams is not a threat. So Jay Ajayi is now uh, you know, a horseshoe uh, for a lot of people that are, that are either in the lead or making their way up to the playoffs. Um, unfortunately, there's probably a couple teams that have Jay Ajayi because they picked him up several weeks ago when he had a good game that are really bad teams, and so Jay Ajayi (laughs) might just kind of uh, crumble into the the ether on those teams. I wound
1: up sticking with him in a a deep league, you know, big bench, 12 teams, and uh, it really paid off.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, 100-yard receivers, Robert Woods had 162, 10 receptions, no touchdowns, but really great game from Woods. Now, a lot of that came from the fact that he was the guy that was just getting open against that defense in Seattle. and They kind of gave him a lot of those passes, I felt like because they didn't think he was going to break them for a lot of, uh, of yards. They were wrong. You know, he did, <laughs> but he's still not a guy that, that I think is going to be um, worth starting as uh, like a WR1 or 2. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you have a 3 reflex, Woods is is always out there, but he's going to have games where he doesn't score anything, so be careful. Uh, looking down the list, we have Mike Evans and Jason Witten. Both uh, those
1: guys had huge games, and I think that they're going to continue having good games, at least through this week.
0: Yeah, and the only other person that I I really see that I didn't expect on the list was uh, Quentin Patton from San Francisco. I really liked him at the beginning of the year. Him and Jeremy Curley uh, were doing good things for San Francisco, but the only reason he's on the list is because Colin Kaepernick threw for 398 yards.
1: So what do you think about Eli Rogers, who hit 103 yards? The talk going into that game was that Sammy Coates was starting again, that he might be uh, you know, getting passes getting a lot of oh work, it was and it's it was all eli rogers
0: well no it's just based on the on the game flow okay. because uh Ben was not getting a lot of those those long deep passes, he was getting a lot of pressure, and he was Eli Rogers is a slot guy, so you don't
1: expect to see it again
0: uh not not on the reg, man, not on the reg okay, <laughs> oh yeah, can you hand over another beer over here when you get a chance, sir? Thank you for that. And uh, wrapping up coverage of uh, week nine and week nine performances, uh, I want to talk about the the column that you write for the website. Again, that's drink5.com, where you can go to see a lot of our content from us and the other staff writers there at Drink Five. Um, it's called Statistically Insignificant, which is a weekly piece that, Jason, and you write about. Uh, some some various numbers and figures that are important to that week for various reasons. So we can sit back and, uh, and talk about a couple of uh, things that, are and are not fantasy relevant.
1: I just like to think that they're important numbers to know, even though they don't, they, they may not help you. They may not mean much at all. Um, the first couple are ones that we just touched on, um, but I, I want to go back to the Colin Kaepernick one for a second. So um, leading quarterbacks in passing yards this week went 2-6, and six, and rushing leaders went 6-2. and two. So it just goes to show that, you know, it's still a, a league where you win by running the ball. Um So, you know, that's more of a football-y thing rather than a fantasy thing. You still want to have quarterbacks on bad teams like Blake Bortles so that they get lots and lots of garbage time points. Um, Meanwhile, you got Melvin Gordon who had 261 yards from scrimmage last week. Um, He is now the uh, top-scoring fantasy running back on the year. He has 11 touchdowns. He's totally redeemed himself from last year. When he had zero touchdowns, his mom is proudly wearing his jersey now. Uh, Everything is good with Melvin Gordon.
0: Go, Melvin!
1: Now we uh, find out uh, tonight, well, probably tomorrow, we'll find out if uh, the good people of San Diego approve the hotel tax in order to build a Convadium, is what they're trying to call it down there in San Diego. A convention stadium. So um, that'll be interesting to see. Because if they don't build it, then the Chargers are moving to L.A. Um, so, eight touchdowns. Mike Evans leads all receivers with eight touchdowns. Uh, he had two more this past Thursday night. Um, he is really the only, uh, proper offensive target for Jameis Winston. And, uh, Mike Evans is on pace for over 200 targets this year, which puts him in, like, Julio Jones territory and Antonio Brown territory. The only guys who get passes on that kind of scale. Um, so, uh, he's got 55 receptions only, so that's still like a 100-catch year. But, you know, for Mike Evans to reach that next plateau, he needs to catch 120 in, in this, this season. But he is currently uh, getting creamed because he has no help on his team. Um, so Winston's kind of leaving him hanging for a couple passes. It's amazing that he's having the games that he's having. That 11-catch, 150-yard game while just getting creamed and hurt on every other play um, is one of the more impressive like receiving games I've seen all year. Mm -hmm. Just because the guy, you know, it's not just a guy running away from everybody. It's a guy catching all kinds of contested balls. Um, So two defensive touchdowns. The the Chargers scored two defensive touchdowns. um, And they needed them both to beat the Titans because the Titans put up 35 points on them. So when you get a defensive touchdown in fantasy, you're usually getting an interception. You're usually getting a fumble, you know, one or the other. And that's going to get you eight points. And the Chargers only managed 14 points in fantasy. Um, so it was probably the most disappointing two-touchdown game, if you can call it that, uh, because earlier this year, there's been three other games where the defense had two touchdowns, um, and they all scored over 20 points, including the Chiefs with 35. So, um, you know, try to work on that uh, scoring a little bit, San Diego. You'll do better. <laughs> um, and then finally, you got Matt Stafford, who has five fourth quarter comebacks this year. Coincidentally, they also have five wins. Um, so Matt Stafford is obviously the reason that they're winning. And if they get anywhere this season, then he's going to be involved with the MVP uh, talk just because um, he's clearly the most valuable player, uh, more valuable to his team than most other players are to their team, aside from maybe like a Tom Brady. As we can see, you know that's made a huge difference as well. Uh, so Stafford, in fantasy, is the sixth-highest-scoring uh, quarterback, um, and the Lions just can't put a game together from start to finish. They always rely on him coming back. In fact, every other loss they've had has been by one score, which means like they've had a chance at the end of the game anyways, and they still can't get it done. Uh, which, you know, you're not going to get it done every week, but more often than not, he is getting it done. Um, so they get a bye week, and they just beat... The Vikings last week so they'll ride high off that Vikings victory um, and then there's a rematch with the Vikings coming up on Thanksgiving so uh, that is the early game on Thanksgiving and for once I think it's going to be a really good matchup
0: well thank you sir we look forward to seeing that and now I'm going to drink this whole beer before we get into the trend section to the all night IPA
1: all chug IPA Thank you. They don't always just pop open. (laughs) I I love the sound of a popped open beer. Oh, Dave, I can't help myself, but check the election in these little breaks. But I won't spoil it for anybody who's listening later on, and they're going to watch another DVR or something like that.
0: Spoil? Yeah. I don't know why you'd even be looking, to be honest. Why don't we just check it out after the show is over? So... Moving on to things that are more poignant, or to those of you who are listening later, totally insignificant. Um, uh, I wanted to talk about some trends, and usually when we talk about the trends for this upcoming week, we go over the trends from the past week, and I don't know if, if you have those handy that you can you can refer to. Uh, it's from a couple weeks ago, actually. I, I forget what we, were, what we were betting, and some of my favorite moments on this show, personally, or when we bet for things like a local burger joint called Kuma's Corner, or a trip to a brewery, or a random Amazon package. It's good stuff. So I'm wondering, uh, the last one we did was probably the week six or week, week seven, week seven uh, trends. So yeah, It
1: looks like I got the... Oh, that's not the finished one. Let me dig up the finished one. Sure. That was the original
0: Um, well, in the meantime, I did want to touch upon some of the, uh, some of the games that I saw for this upcoming week. So just let me know when you have that information and we'll come back over to you. But what I was looking at was the fact that the, uh, Packers were playing the Titans and the, um, and the 49ers were playing the Cardinals. So we just talked about, uh, how a Colin Kaepernick versus the New Orleans Saints in a situation where he was passing all over the place was able to put up a pretty decent fantasy game. Going up against the Arizona Cardinals defense, while they might not have been, you know, earth shattering this season or anything, yeah. I think he's in for a, a, a whole disaster of a game.
1: <laughs> so I don't, I have the trends. I don't know the matchups from that week, um, but I can pull those up too. So, um, do you want me to go over them, or do you just want to let you know that you won?
0: Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, we've already talked about it. That's fine. Um, and I guess it's it's a couple of weeks ago, so we don't have to necessarily do that. I just want you to, to basically let me know that I won.
1: You you certainly did win. All um, right. We, we had a couple of close <laughs> ones, right? So um, – it, it, during this time, we had Hunter Henry, who was kind of coming around. I, I guess what to so, be the guy. Sorry to
0: interrupt you, but what I really want to know from there, since that's kind of where we left off with the trends, is who it was if they were going up or down, and where they
1: finished. And who that. we talked about. Okay, so uh, we talked about Marcus Mariota uh, trending up, okay. and he actually was went down for just that week, really, because he's been playing better again lately. Uh, We had set our line at 23, and he came in just shy of 17.
0: Which is, 23 is tough to get to, so he must have had some pretty good games previous to that.
1: Um, So then uh, we had Aaron Rodgers, who uh, was struggling, and we set his line at only 20. He went over, Mm -hmm. um, almost 24. Dave, you said he was going to score 28, but that's okay. We'll give you the 24, because that was our line. (laughs) Uh, We had James White who was playing well. Uh, We set his line at 11. He came just shy of that 9.2. It seems to be his, you know, floor and ceiling is, you know, between 8 and, like, 16. Uh, Isaiah Crowell, uh, we set his line at 8 because he was struggling. He's playing a little bit better lately. Uh, He had 13.9 points. Um, Jamison Crowder was playing well. His line was 12. He almost got there, 11.8. Antonio Brown, this is my favorite. We set his line at 12. 12. I went under and he had eleven point nine. Oh, that was so! T- I will claim victory on that one.
0: Beautiful for you, man.
1: It's not like you're never going to start Antonio Brown. Uh, <laughs> and then, like, like I was saying, Hunter Henry. Uh, that was when he started disappearing again. Um, so uh, no, that that's was it. that's great. So, that's so you all get I'm, barbecue, my friend.
0: That's all I'm really looking for. So you barbecue. went five to two. Barbecue bet. That's a good one. You guys should all try it. I I think you should. Uh, Let's talk about... Oops, my bad. Well, I don't mind a little music in the background. Okay. Let's talk about quarterbacks. So we've got player trends, quarterbacks. Russell Wilson is our number one guy here. Uh, Seattle quarterback, obviously great years in the past. Week 7 versus Arizona, he put up 8.7 points. Week 8 at uh, New Orleans, 10.22 points. And this is right after he was uh, injured. He had, uh, I think he had an ankle, and then he had another injury directly after that was really affecting him adversely. Week 9 versus Buffalo, right? He uh, puts up 282 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, More of a a good Russell Wilson game, scoring 26.28 points. Um, And he was going up against the Bills' defense which the Bills defense has put up some great numbers so far this week fantasy or this season fantasy wise but the past couple of weeks they have been disappointing um, I don't know if that's a portent, you know, for things to come, or if that just happens to be because Seattle was passing the ball to Jimmy Graham with a reckless abandon I hadn't seen since the days of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, it could be both. I don't know. I love that Jimmy's back in the mix. Believe me, watching him take two one-handed passes, scooping them up at the, in, in the end zone where only he can get them—that's some vintage Jimmy Graham shit. And how old is he? Twenty-eight? I mean, he's, he's got, a young man still. He's got a lot of time left in him. Um. So, question is, uh, with Jimmy Graham and Doug Baldwin both shaping up to be pretty formidable threats in the passing game, regardless of their opponents, uh, can he continue, Russell Wilson, to make this trend go upwards against the Patriots? Patriots have always been a good team, uh, defensively and offensively, and he'll need to score at least 15 points to remain on track with this trend. So going from 8 to 10 to 26, the way that we formulate this uh, this number is really more of an average between the three, which means we're giving him the benefit of the doubt here. He's over the injury. Uh, he had a good game, but he's up against New England. So does he score 15 or not? And I must, uh, I must explain just a little bit about how we do these trends bets in the first place. And for us, uh, Jay, that, that basically means that uh, you can start the first one, for example, and he'll say that he's either going to go, oh, uh, he's going to score 15 or he's going to score under 15. And if we both say yes, 15, then we move it up by a point until one of us says no. Uh, is that accurate?
1: Yes, that is pretty basically how it goes. We'll move the line until we disagree.
0: Okay. Uh, and we, we have to have a, a bet on this particular game as well. <sighs> Uh, and so the, the one that I wanted to do, um, well, I've honestly still been thinking about it for the past like 25 minutes or so, (laughs) but, uh, but I think bouncing around in your head. Yeah. But, but I think the one that I want to do, um, is to go for, oh man, I'm just, I'm in between a couple. Why don't, we, why don't we just continue here, and then I'll, I'll bring it up in a, in a couple. Is that okay?
1: That'll work just fine. Do so you want me to start out on Russell Wilson? I'm trying to
0: figure it out here. Yeah, so he went 8.7, 10.2, 26.2 uh, against New England this coming, uh, this coming week. Can he score 15 or more points against New England? You know. And I've got the numbers here if you don't have them. Uh, I've
1: got plenty of numbers on Russell Wilson right in front of me. I do know that he's only scored more than 15 points twice all season. Correct. And he's playing New England this week.
0: And New England, as far as passing yards, is is right in the middle of the field.
1: I think I'm going to go under.
0: Okay. Well, that makes it easy for me, then. Then I'll I'll take the over on Russell Wilson, even though it is New England. I know it's hard.
1: Now, typical gamesmanship should have had me going over just to take another point from you.
0: I probably would have done that.
1: <laughs> but we're going to go with 15. So, see, we've got is strategy. Is that like the way that that sits?
0: We've got strategy involved in this game. It's a game on, in a side of a game is basically what's happening. The game and a game in a game in a game. That's that's It's three like, games. what is
1: the man in black trying to figure out in Westworld? This
0: one is just two games. The game in a game in a game in a game. <laughs> the maze in a... Uh, oh The maze in the game in sh- the We shouldn't be spoiling things world. for anybody. Yeah, great show on HBO if you haven't seen it. Westworld, although uh, I, I can imagine... Uh, some like lost person on the internet stumbling into this podcast and being like, "That was, that was not a good show, man. The ending was terrible."
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, do you are you comparing it to Lost, literally?
0: I have no idea. I haven't seen the ending yet.
1: Well, you've seen the ending to Lost. I figured that's what you were joking about. Well,
0: no, I'm not. Moving on to the next guy, Carson Palmer, Arizona quarterback, Week Six. Uh, versus the New York Jets, he had 12.42, one touchdown. Uh, week 7 versus Seattle, he had 14.48, zero touchdowns. Um, he had more points, uh, but that's really because he had a, a bunch more yards, 342 yards as compared to 213 in the first matchup. Uh, week 8 versus Carolina, it uh, went 35 for 46 with uh, 363 yards. And three touchdowns and an interception for a total of 23.52 points. Uh, so Palmer can still throw the football around. We, we know that, right? Not a big deal. Right. But, but the question is, uh, is Cardinals offense and the guys on the offensive line, are they all healthy enough to keep him standing upright? Because looking at that Week 8 game, for example, yes, he scored 23.52 points, but the guy had like eight sacks and you, you can't keep that up. You
1: can't you can't get sacked 8 times, that's for sure.
0: So, they got a bye week. Now they're going up against the 49ers after the bye week. So, perfect time to get back on track. At least it looks like that uh should be the case. And Palmer needs to put up 17 points in week 10 in order to continue the trend. Um so that one is up to me. Uh and they're going up against San Francisco, right? That's correct. And uh, San Francisco uh, actually does a lot better against the pass than against the uh, against the, the the rush. However, that we're talking about passing yardage, so although they aren't giving up a whole bunch of passing yards, we can attribute that to the fact that they do give up all the rushing yards. That's it. <laughs> now they, they, They've they been
1: giving up a decent amount of points to opposing quarterbacks, too. So. Well, it's because
0: of the touchdowns. Like, if you look at the stats here, they're, they're only giving up the 11th uh, most amount of passing yards, but they're giving up 18 touchdowns uh, so far this season. So that's that's by far, you know, among the most of the teams. So I'm going to say that there's not going to be a problem with Palmer uh, doing well against the San Francisco 49ers. 17 points is going to be... Uh, is going to be a good, is going to be a good target for him.
1: All right. So, are you going to go over or under?
0: Yes. Yes. Seventeen points.
1: Okay. <laughs> but you pick first. I said yes. Yes. What?
0: Seventeen points.
1: Seventeen what? Over or under the seventeen points?
0: No, he just needs to put up seventeen or more.
1: So you're going over. Correct. Okay.
0: I'm sorry this was so confusing for us.
1: Well, you should use the words over or under when we're playing a game for over or under.
0: I would, you're going to have to write them down for me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I agree that he'll go over 17, so we'll go move to 18.
0: See, this whole time you were just thinking about what, how, how, how high it was going to get, probably, <sighs> against the 49ers. Um, so, 18, yes. Yes, I'm, I'm over on 18. There, I'm using the words that, that you want me to...
1: They're the words of the game, that's all. all right. The game wants you to use them. Carson Palmer, 18.
0: Well, it's it's because it's 17 or over. Sure. So 17 is still technically...
1: <laughs> it still counts. Yeah. Um. I'll go over 18.
0: All right. It's the Niners.
1: They're not great.
0: No, they're not. <laughs> but... Oh, man... So now it just depends on whether David Johnson's touchdowns are receiving or rushing touchdowns.
1: Sure, if they're receiving touchdowns, then, then Palmer's gonna to have 30 points. points.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I uh Man, I will I will now go under.
1: All right. That's great. I'm gonna go over. 19 points. Okay. Works for me.
0: Beautiful thing. Uh moving on to running backs, we have Matt Forte. Uh, he played week seven versus Baltimore, 30, yards touchdown. He also had four receptions for 54 yards and a touchdown for 25.4 points. Great game versus Baltimore. Um, you'll notice that the next two games that he played is really not being used as much in the passing game. Uh, and his, uh, rushing attempts have also started to go down a little bit. So 25 rushing attempts for 82 and two touchdowns, uh, and then 12 And 92, one touchdown versus Miami. So he's going from 25 points to 21 points to 15 points. Still, great games. You'd be happy to have any of those point lines in a standard scoring league. Not an issue. Uh, But you do see his usage sort of going down a little bit. Um, It's because, I'm going to put it against the Jets, you know, uh, injuries, like Eric Decker not being in the game. Fitzpatrick playing terribly, getting injured. uh, These quarterback controversies and issues. Um, not to mention the fact that Forte uh, is also, uh, you know, an older player, and so he does occasionally struggle with small injuries himself. Uh, Bilal, Bilal Powell has uh, gone back and forth, you know, um, with with having a role in the offense and
1: then not having a role in the offense.
0: Yeah, so it's it's a tough one. But Forte this year is being used as a between the tackles back a lot. Something that, that we didn't really think he was going to be used for in general when we started the year. Uh, looking at his uh, carries that he has so far this year, uh, and extrapolating that out to the end of the year makes you think that he might uh, he might get up to 300 or something like that rushing attempts, which is pretty impressive.
1: <laughs> that's, a, that's way more than I thought.
0: Exactly. It's
1: probably more than he ever had in, with the Bears either
0: he had something like 315, I think, the first year that he was there with the Bears. Which oh, is,
1: before he was, like, catching passes all the time, probably, but, yeah.
0: But he averaged, like, 265 or 250 or something like that with the Bears. 316
1: the first year. Very good, Dave. Well, thank you. Actually, he had 63 catches that first year anyway, so...
0: Well, but he was always that guy, but now, for some reason, on the Jets, it seems like he's more of a between-the-tackles guy and less of a, um, you know, a reception back. He's
1: absurdly back. productive. He's had no less than... 1,287 yards from scrimmage each year.
0: He's been great. So, because his points have been so high for the past three weeks, he has to uh, secure a 20-point game or more against the Rams in Week 10 to keep the production level going on this trend. Uh, and so it's up to you, Jason, to determine whether or not 20 is a uh, is a serviceable target for uh, for Forte this week.
1: Did I gush about him enough before going under? Because I'm going to go under on this for sure.
0: Uh, Yeah, me too.
1: Uh, 19 under.
0: Yeah, I'll still go under there as well.
1: 18 under.
0: And I'll still go under there as well.
1: 17 <laughs> under.
0: And I'll I'll go over and I'll say Forte is going to continue to somehow score, you know, uh, score a touchdown or two uh, on that Jets offense because God knows it's not going to Brandon Marshall.
1: Uh, now, who do the Jets play this week?
0: Uh, they play the Rams.
1: Uh, Yeah, they could go either way.
0: Well, they can always go either way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mostly unless you're the Browns playing anyone. And then it can't go. There's then only, it only one, goes way, one way. One
0: way it goes. It's a one-way street for those Browns. It's L Street. In any matchup, I want to see Jacksonville Blake Bortles looks like a magician against the Cleveland Browns.
1: Oh my, I wonder if that's going to happen this year. Jacks? Jacksonville versus the Browns.
0: <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. Uh, Okay, so Rob Kelly, Washington running back, you may or may not be familiar with him, but he is the guy that has actually come in and and sort of taken over that early down role from Matt Jones, who was the incumbent running back after Alfred Morris left Washington. Matt Jones had a good pedigree, uh, but last year, which was his rookie year in the NFL, he fumbled too many times, and now he's doing the same thing this year. Ball control uh, issues are a a real big thing for him, and any good coach is not going to allow that consistently over a period of games. I don't care if it's a sophomore effort or not. Uh, It's just not going to happen. So Rob Kelly is now getting the the nod from the coaches to be that early down back every single game. Uh, If you look at his points, week six he had 5.9, that's 5 for 59. Week seven, uh, he didn't have that big of a role in the offense, but he did have a passing touchdown, but 7.6 points, still above his previous uh, effort. Week 8 at Cincinnati, he went uh, 21 for 87 yards, which is fairly decent. One touchdown, uh, 14.7 points. This is a guy who's never going to be involved in the passing game because they do have Matt Jones and Chris Thompson. Both backs are more than serviceable. In fact, good uh, a third down and passing back uh, running backs. But Rob Kelly looks to me like he's going to take over that whole backfield. And this may be this 5 7 trend. This may be something you guys all want to get behind now. Because I bet you Rob Kelly is not owned by that many people. So uh, he only needs to score 9 points against the Vikings to continue the trend. And uh, I think it's me going first, Right.
1: Uh, yes, yes, you get to go first. So I'm going to
0: say yes, he can do it. Although it is the Minnesota Vikings, like you had mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, the Vikings have not done so well over the past couple weeks, and it sounds like a trend.
1: Yeah, he's only owned in 30% of fantasy leagues. Um, that was nine, you said, on his line? Yep. I'll go over on nine, then nine.
0: See, Kelly, Kelly is a guy that you really should get behind. Uh, A couple of guys that we've mentioned so far this broadcast, you can still pick up. They're not owned by a lot of people, but they could carry you in the last couple weeks of the regular season or even into the playoffs. Rob Kelly is a special situation, in my opinion, because he's not in there because there was someone on IR or because two guys got injured. He's in there because he was their backup for that position, and Matt Jones is not playing as well as they wanted him to, which means that it's basically Rob Kelly's job to lose now, in my opinion.
1: Sure. So where are you going to go on Rob Kelly?
0: Up again. That's 10, 10 over.
1: I think I'll go under on him,
0: though. All right. I'm basically saying that he's going to have his touchdown.
1: Right. Right. And,
0: and you're saying he's not.
1: Uh, he's not going to get a touchdown. Right. <laughs> it's going to be a low-scoring affair.
0: Or, or Minnesota just sucks now. Who knows? We'll find out. Uh, wide receivers. Now it's your turn, of course. DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins has been the subject of many a discussion in the fantasy world this year, and for good reason, because DeAndre Hopkins was one of the biggest guys coming out of college and for the past couple years has been a real amazing asset to have on your team. But with the advent of Brock Osweiler as the quarterback for the Houston Texans, that That's appears it appears to be <laughs> no longer the case. So uh, you guys already know how Hopkins has done in the first half of the year. Um, Well, week six versus Indianapolis, he had 9 of 15 for 71, no touchdowns. So that might have been a decent stat line if he was able to score... But we're looking at nine passes for 71 yards for DeAndre Hopkins. That means that Brock Osweiler, what it's telling me is that Osweiler is not able to give the deep ball to him in the right routes where that he can do the yards after catch that he needs to. He's throwing it to him in situations where he's being tackled immediately, or bad situations, or ones where he has to go after the catch. Uh, it's just not poorly good. Poorly thrown
1: balls, and all he can do is catch the ball.
0: Yeah, week seven, uh, five out of 12 targets were caught for 36 yards. Again, exactly the same thing. So we're looking here at a very similar amount of yards per, uh, per pass. But it's less than 10. It's more like 7. If, if DeAndre Hopkins is catching passes at 7 yards per catch, then it's just a terrible situation that's going on there. Week yeah. 8 versus Detroit, uh, 4 for 7, 44 yards, no touchdowns. So he went from 7 to 3.5 to 4.5. Um, and granted that's, that, that is, uh, it's a trend of bad,
1: even if it's not a direct line down, it's a bad trend.
0: So Hopkins is an extremely talented athlete. It's not really his fault. I don't think. Uh, but what do we do about that as, as fantasy owners for Deandre Hopkins, it shouldn't be hard for him to bump the trend, right? Uh, can Brock Osweiler play good enough to throw him a touchdown? He has before. Uh, he needs to score more than five points. So 5.1 or higher for DeAndre Hopkins in this matchup is going to be a really tough call for Jason, I'm sure.
1: You want to bump this trend? Oh, boy. Um, I, I'm going to go over. I mean, he's got too many targets to, to go under.
0: Sure, but but this means that if he gets 50 yards, uh, but he does not get any touchdowns, that he... Does not win that bet. Now the past two games, he's had less than fifty yards, uh, and he's therefore... got four
1: games this season with fifty-six or fewer yards. So I'm going over. I'm saying that you know, I'd be willing to go over again, even probably.
0: Okay, well I'll go over then.
1: <laughs> I'll go over six.
0: Um, I I will leave you to uh, the misery of DeAndre Hopkins' uh, ownery. That's fine. Ownerism.
1: So you're underisming.
0: Ornacity. Oh, <laughs> oh nizzle, my my bizzle. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I like the guy. I mean, for example, uh, I think you had a trade. I, I just
1: gave you a free point there. I think you were going to go under five.
0: Yeah, probably. You you had a trade earlier this year where uh, you got Hopkins for basically nothing, and the trade just looks awesome. There's no reason why you wouldn't take it. But Osweiler is is worse than garbage.
1: Yeah, okay, so that trade wound up being like a whole mixture of, like, crap, right? It was – I gave away uh, Marcus Mariota and – and honestly, that's the best player in this trade. I gave away Mariota and Julian Edelman – no, Eric Decker, and I got uh, Julian Edelman and – and Julian Edelman, I think, I gave away. And I wound up getting DeAndre Hopkins and Carson Palmer in return bunch of you know players that wound up being injured for a long time and totally ineffective um so you know that can totally happen with early season trades
0: sure well thankfully it didn't it didn't screw you over because all the players were garbage
1: basically it would have been nice to have kept (laughs) mariota with all the quarterback problems i've
0: had no that makes sense Uh, another wide receiver we have to talk about is Mike Wallace Mike Wallace from Baltimore who had been on many other teams in the past couple of years and when he was on those other teams the thing about Mike Wallace was that he was never a bad player he was always a, a quick guy a good catch but he was on a team with Ryan Tannehill he was on a team with, uh, with Teddy Bridgewater, and none of those quarterbacks were able to accurately and consistently throw him the ball down the field.
1: Sure. If you remember, he was also on a team with a guy named Ben Roethlisberger. Well, sure. Who can accurately throw the ball down the field.
0: And it worked out pretty well for and him. And Mike
1: Wallace got a thing called the Super Bowl MVP yep. because of it. I was actually just watching uh, an NFL Top Ten on NFL Network, and uh, they were doing the best plays in the Super Bowl. And um, this was a different uh, Super Bowl I believe. Maybe Wallace doesn't have a Super Bowl MVP.
0: He has a Super Bowl ring. He
1: has a Super Bowl ring, but not an MVP. The MVP of the Super Bowl was Santonio Holmes.
0: Yeah, that was the corner catch. It was the
1: corner catch. So two of the, two of the ten plays... Two feet and you fall over. All the plays of all time, <laughs> two of the ten plays came from that game. The other play, of course, being uh, Mr. James Harrison. James Harrison? Yes.
0: With the... Uh, um, With
1: my favorite Super Bowl play of all time.
0: Yeah, and then on the oxygen afterwards. Oh, man. <laughs> No, that guy's a beast. Um, so Mike Wallace, week six, and the reason I was bringing up those other quarterbacks is because uh, although they they are good quarterbacks in their own right for their own reasons, uh, the, those guys are are not able to to really satisfy uh, this kind of a receiver. And when he was finally put back to Baltimore here in the AFC North, not that it has anything to do with the the weather, uh, you know, or the or the area geographically. It has more to do with the quarterback. And now he has a quarterback that can throw the deep ball, that uh, is a little bit more accurate with those tosses. And granted, Joe Flacco has had some issues this year, and so has the Baltimore offense in general. In fact, the offensive coordinator already got canned. Tressman was gone. So, I mean, these things these things happen uh, throughout a season. But Mike Wallace has done really well this year, and if you look at the past three weeks, not including the bye in Week 8, against the Giants, he was 4-9, nine, 97 yards, Uh, Week 7 at uh, the Jets, he was 10-for-13 for for 120. (laughs) That's a line. Uh, And then Week 9 versus Pittsburgh, uh, he had 124 yards on four four, uh, passes. On a
1: 95-yard touchdown.
0: So let's just talk about this for a moment. Wallace is still a great receiver. And on the Ravens offense, it has an aging Steve Smith that has not been doing very well, and really nobody else shining through the cracks of that offense. Brashad Perryman, uh, you know, any number of their tight ends, like uh, Dennis Pitta, and um, what's his face? Uh, Crockett, Gilmore. Crockett Gilmore. I think they're still rostering like five tight ends on that team for some unknown reason. Uh, regardless, he has kind of been what's been really good about them this year. And I think Wallace will continue in that fashion. In fact, I think that Wallace might go down towards the end of the year here as clearly one of the best receivers in the AFC North uh, or even in the AFC in general as far as fantasy points are concerned. Because I can see him getting that old Deshaun Jackson role, that old Mike Wallace role, you should probably say, (laughs) on Pittsburgh back again, which is he's going to score touchdowns uh, every other game, and he's going to probably have uh, four passes for 100 yards every game.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's averaging 15.7 yards per catch this year, which is as high as it's been since 2011 when he was in Pittsburgh, and he had a great year that year. Exactly. Um, you know, His best was 21 yards per catch in a season back in 2010. But uh, I, I must say we were wrong about one thing about Wallace. He has not won a Super Bowl.
0: Oh, he, he left. They, they got rid of him, and then they won a Super Bowl.
1: No, I think that he got picked up like drafted right after they won a Super Bowl. Huh. Because I mean, the Steelers last Super Bowl was when?
0: Uh oh five, oh
1: eight. Right. He didn't he's a rookie in 09. But All did right. you know that Sam Bradford was once offensive rookie of the year?
0: Oh, that's wonderful.
1: <laughs> totally relevant. So what's our line on Mike Wallace, Dave?
0: Yeah, it's 13.4 points, um, which is uh, a decent amount up against Cleveland. Uh, I think, uh, well, it's, is it my turn or yours? It is your turn. I think I think he can do it, and he does do it.
1: So 13.4, you're going to go over? Correct. I'm going to go ahead and go under. Uh, I think that Joe Hayden is going to probably uh, see Mike Wallace a bunch in this game and you know, Flacco was going to go with his old favorite Steve Smith.
0: You just want Steve Smith to have a good game.
1: I need <laughs> Steve Smith to have a good game, Dave. <laughs> I think that Mike Wallace is not going to have as good of a game. All
0: right. Well, best of luck to you. <laughs> um, so, so tight ends. It's the last one of the trends when we always do two quarterbacks, two wide receivers, two running backs in a tight end, or at least I, I always do that. Um, it's, Week 7 at Atlanta, Antonio Gates, uh, who is not on New England. I need to change this in the notes. Uh, oh, yeah,
1: that is... <laughs>
0: that was a previous one, I'm sure. Martellus Bennett, I think, it must, have, must have been. Uh, he had 5-for-10 for 38 yards in Week 7 at Atlanta. Week 8 at Denver, 4-for-9, 33 yards and a touchdown for 10.9 points. Then Week 9 versus Tennessee, which is just last week, had 5-for-9, 75 yards and a touchdown for 13.5 points. Um. So progressing upwards, Hunter Henry, who has uh, been sort of an oncoming talent so far this year, has been doing pretty well. Then faced a couple of injuries and and some other issues, uh, and now it's it's kind of been Antonio Gates' resurgence uh, for the past couple of games. And so it's, it's up to you. Uh, I'm talking to Jason, but, but all of you as well listening, uh, to decide whether or not Antonio Gates is actually going to continue this trend for the rest of the year, or if this is just a small thing based on the, uh, the health and, uh, and, uh, and general availability at hundred percent of Hunter Henry, who let's be honest is a very young tight end. And in general, young tight ends don't do well. It takes them a couple years to really excel in the system and uh, on on their um, respective teams. So, up against the Dolphins in Week 10, Antonio Gates will have to put up 9.4 points or more to continue this trend up.
1: Hmm. I do like that they're at home. Um... And I really like his chances for a touchdown, but I gotta say even with a touchdown he's not gonna he's not gonna be guaranteed to get the nine point four um so antonio gates antonio gates i'm gonna have to go under for right now for right now for right now. I reserve the right to change my mind, but not my bet
0: <laughs> uh I'll see you can do it no problem over nine point four points. So that is terrific.
1: All right, so we will need a tiebreaker, Dave, as always. We should get a tiebreaker. Yeah, if somebody doesn't play or something like that.
0: <laughs> the the tiebreaker is the uh let's see, the the number of interceptions um from uh both Baltimore and Cleveland uh on Thursday.
1: So the total number of interceptions on Thursday. And we're going with the hmm. Are we gonna set the line and just pick over or under
0: <laughs> I, I don't know about that I, I think
1: that we should just do that
0: well that's that's odd but i I like odd things that's fine we can we can move forward with that so I'll set the line at two
1: at two
0: and I guess it's my turn
1: you wanna set it at one and a half or two and a half
0: well one and a half is impossible
1: exactly so you have to be <laughs> over or under it
0: uh well we don't wanna
1: push on a tiebreaker.
0: Well, in saying two would be the same as it was saying over 1.5, wouldn't it? I don't see the difference.
1: Well, if you say over two, then it means that it's going to be greater than two. No, it's two. Two or over? Just two. Okay, fine. I don't...
0: uh, I guess. uh, However you think is the best way for us to do it. What I'm
1: saying is who gets the two, the over or the under?
0: Well, what I would have said from the beginning is we just pick a number. That's all I was looking at,
1: but that's not a very fair way of picking something that's going to be a very small number. You and really you pick advantages... a tiebreaker. Well, I just like picking large numbers for tiebreakers.
0: That's fine. Pick something that has a larger number.
1: Okay, so how about total um, yards on Thursday night for Corey Coleman and Mike Wallace?
0: That's very specific.
1: Well, I don't want to pick all the yards.
0: Sure. Total yards. Uh,
1: So then it is your turn to go first. 200. 200 yards. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go under the 200.
0: (laughs) That's why I don't like picking numbers.
1: Well, it's the same thing, really. Or is it? No, it's not the same thing.
0: It's fine, man. No worries. It's not gonna to go to a tiebreaker because uh my picks are obviously superior to yours in this week's trends. And I think what we'll do for a bet is uh we'll do a, a twenty dollar mystery Amazon box because they're so much fun.
1: All right, twenty dollar mystery box. Uh,
0: and as far as those guys are concerned, uh they could certainly go more than two hundred, or they could they could do a hundred. Uh who knows? But we'll find out. Uh that's that's the fun of fantasy really, is finding out so we don't have right, so too much. If
1: you make me pick a number, then I pick one hundred.
0: Well, that's you know a different I mean? that's a different thing from saying under. That would be a one ninety nine.
1: Oh yeah, that would give me one ninety.
0: They were saying that you're you're. Picking... I shouldn't be
1: able to. I shouldn't be allowed to take one ninety nine in that situation.
0: Like the one right below me, right? Exactly. So it. Well, would...
1: I I don't know. I guess I was on the over under because that's what we were doing for the rest of them. So. Uh... He's come
0: 200. around, folks. <laughs>
1: I'll do one hundred. That's fine.
0: Well, then that means you get up to one hundred and fifty, basically or one hundred forty-nine or whatever we yeah, call that's,
1: it. At it's a little less. I mean, I guess I could have gone with. I could have picked one hundred ninety-nine. That, that's that's what we and just that's talked about. Move. Yeah, exactly. That's
0: fine. And that's what I thought you were doing when you said under two hundred. One ninety-nine. That's basically what that is.
1: I was going to prices right your ass. Was
0: the prices wrong, Bob? A dollar. So waiver wire pickups by our uh, our good friend and uh, staff writer Jim Hutchins. Uh, Just published on the website last night, so I encourage you guys to go check out that and our other articles, including our rankings. And remember that we are up uh, on Fantasy Pros as one of the experts up there. So that's Jason and my consensus rankings, although they do appear under my name on Fantasy Pros. He's definitely a part of them every single week. Um, So we're going to talk about the waiver wire pickups going forward. This is Tuesday right now, so most leagues are going to have their waiver wire picks tonight. Some also have them tomorrow. And I know of some leagues, for example, that even do waivers multiple times during the week, like a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday sort of thing. Um, But those are on crazy websites like MFL, that let you do whatever you want and don't know how to police their own platforms. Um, That's just my opinion, man. (laughs) Only four more games left in the fantasy regular season before the playoffs. This is the time to make that push. So quarterback... That you might be able to play this week, based on buys, etc. Trevor Simeon on Denver, fourteen percent owned on Yahoo as of publishing last night, has not been great this year, as opposed, or I mean, except for a couple uh, games in the beginning of the season. But he's playing against the Saints, and the Saints are allowing three hundred yards per game to opposing passers. We just talked up Colin Kaepernick's performance; he had three hundred ninety-eight yards, even though he's not a very good quarterback in not a very good situation with not very good wide receivers. Trevor Simeon has a better offensive line. He has better receivers. And uh, I don't don't think he's better than Colin Kaepernick necessarily, but he can easily put up 300-plus yards against the Saints.
1: Oh, totally. And I think that he'll be a little more careful with the ball, less likely to turn over than Kaepernick. Um, The one thing I wonder is that the Saints were putting up a big lead over San Francisco. That's why Campernick had to throw the ball so much. It's possible that Denver is able to kind of keep the Saints in check, and it's not as much of a run, of a passing happy game.
0: Sure, although Denver has not been a strikingly good team this year really either. Their wins have not come in as blowouts, or uh, they don't look like the, the returning Super Bowl champion.
1: Right, they definitely have a Super Bowl hangover. But you're right. It's not as bad of a hangover as the Panthers.
0: (laughs) No. Uh, Honorable mention is Joe Flacco, 25% owned. We just talked about that earlier. He could have a really good game. And even if Mike Wallace, for example, doesn't get those passes, he does have other receivers and uh, other running backs and offensive weapons that he could pass it to. Uh, Running back Deion Lewis, 39% owned. The fact that he's already 39% owned is because... Uh, people were already picking him up over the past couple weeks in expectation that he would be back this week or even earlier. Uh, He has resumed practicing, but he has not been taken off the pup this week, at least according to a couple hours ago when I checked the latest news. Um, So there's a possibility he doesn't play which would be really bad for someone picking him up as a bye week replacement. <laughs> However, regardless of that, it's probably someone you still want on your team if you can get him. I was
1: say, he's not just a bye week replacement. you got to keep him for the rest of the season, most likely.
0: No, but if you're in a bad situation with, you if know... If you
1: need somebody this week, yeah.
0: Having a guy this is that... This a sketchy start. Having a guy that might be good, might not get you to the playoffs, and it won't matter then.
1: No, I would rather start the next guy on the list rather than Deion Lewis for just this week
0: or maybe going forward even we don't really know but Rob Kelly is who he's talking about and we discussed him earlier in the trends 30% owned as of yesterday evening and the uh, or rather this morning I suppose and the Redskins are coming off their bye week and Jay Gruden has already announced that Kelly will be the lead back so uh Matt Jones will get play Chris Thompson will get play but Rob Kelly will probably have a good game Going forward, at least as a bi-week replacement, we're talking about average to above-average fantasy performance from the running back position. So what we're basically considering, Rob Kelly, is an RB2 slash RB3, but probably more like a low-end RB2 right now in fantasy. Uh, Honorable mentions James Starks, 19% owned. If he does come back, he'll probably get the majority of the carries in the backfield, but he's not uh, not, um, 100% to actually come back this week. And even when he does, James Starks won't come back to the number one running back role because Green Bay has already tried that before. It didn't work. Uh, So they will still use him in tandem with Ty Montgomery and Randall Cobb and anyone else they can throw into that that jumble in the backfield. Uh, Capri Bibbs, who's on Denver, had a wonderful run last week. Uh, People were talking about, will Bibbs now get a chance to take over the backfield for Denver? Because you know who's not been doing very well, if we look at the numbers, is Devontae Booker.
1: Definitely not been doing that great.
0: Um, So as I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, um, when you come out strong like that and you're a rookie and you're unproven, that's trade bait right there. Those are guys that are probably not going to cut it. Um, Those are guys that you need to get rid of and they're on a high Because they statistically are not going to continue that performance throughout the rest
1: of the season. You must have told me that ten times this last week. I will give you full credit for that. (laughs) When I kept getting offers for him and kept holding out for more, uh, it was not the right move. In fact, I was offered Michael Thomas, which was a great deal at the time. They were both up-and-coming players. It was a smart move. Um, Sometimes I see the right trade. Sometimes I don't pull the trigger. You have to know when to pull the trigger on the right trade. It takes a while. Uh, but it always helps to talk to people about it. Sometimes people have a different perspective on the trade, uh, and you can always ask us on Twitter at Drink Five. Ask us what we think about a potential trade. We'll Absolutely. Feedback.
0: Well, I mean, Booker's not a lost cause necessarily because he could come back and start doing better. But at this point, you're right. Like he's he's already had his chance, and now they're probably trying Bibs out.
1: I feel like my peak option has passed me by.
0: Right. At least for that that level of talent, Michael Thomas is now not a Devontae Booker. I was training. holding
1: out for a quarterback. It's a two QB league, but I should have known that I wasn't going to get one. Um,
0: uh, well, you know, tough tough break, man. Uh, you have you have plenty of running backs in that league. Uh, wide receiver JJ Nelson from Arizona, fifteen percent owned. Uh, he was recommended by fantasy experts. He was a stash last week. Um, he had seventy nine yards and two touchdowns on eight catches. So Bruce Arians has said publicly, and he doesn't usually go out of his way to say things like that unless he's kind of trying to bolstering the, uh, the uh, ego of the player, and that's exactly what he's doing here. He's making J.J. Nelson into his number two receiver, which means that that's above John Brown, it's Larry Fitzgerald, then J.J. Nelson, something that we did not expect this year at all. Um, that said, I'm ready for it. That said, it's happening, and so you need to pick him up now because Arizona is just starting to do better. And with this 49ers game, I mean, I would not be surprised if Nelson doesn't get I would be surprised if Nelson doesn't get another touchdown just based on all the talking that's been happening. Uh, I'm expecting Arizona to beat San Francisco by at least 20 points. Uh, Steve Smith, Baltimore, 50% owned. That's a tough one for me to get behind, Jim. Uh, I'm, I'm referring to Jim, the author of this article, just because Steve Smith at 50% is, is pretty much going to be every single league that you know has smart players and it already own him. But Smith has not had a whole season full of great games. I mean, he's been injured, he's older, he's been lagging, there's been some games where he hasn't put up great fantasy production, but he's playing Cleveland. And I do expect Joe Flacco to pass to him a lot. And so if you're going to play him at all, this is the game to play him in.
1: Certainly. Um, Cleveland, and then, yeah, he plays Dallas, Cincinnati, Miami. Like, it, it's a rough road going forward, but for this week, he's a good pickup and play.
0: Honorable mentions are Kenny Britt, 50% owned again, but Britt has been doing really well for L.A. Uh, Tavon Austin is definitely not the guy to own there. It's Kenny Britt. Richard Matthews for Tennessee. I I loved him at the beginning of the year. It looked like Tajay Sharp was going to take all of the, the receptions after that. Now it looks like Kendall Wright. But you know what? The coaches there don't know who to, to scheme for, who to pass the ball to. Rashard Matthews has been getting a lot of targets, which is what you're looking for. If you need a bye week replacement and the other guys are not available, Rashard Matthews in a PPR league is a great choice. Uh, tight ends. The good tight ends are all owned. And the ones that aren't owned is a fantasy wasteland, and really it's just a coin flip. So the ones that uh, the Jim recommends are in order of how he likes them. That's Dennis Pitta, Zach Miller, Zach Ertz, and Cameron Brait. If you can't get any of those guys, honestly, just flip a coin, draw some cards, pick a tight end. You're going to dump him anyway after he has a bad performance. And even if he does have a good performance, he won't follow it up. So if you don't have a Jimmy Graham or a Rob Gronkowski or a Travis Kelsey or a Tyler Eifert, well, you're kind of screwed. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, Defense and special teams, honorable mention. San Diego Chargers, I hate chasing good performances, but the Chargers did pretty well last week with those pick sixes. The problem with the Chargers offense, and I'll let Jason say exactly what that was, is that they only scored...
1: Who the offense or the defense? The defense. The, they scored fourteen points.
0: They scored forty points,
1: and they had two defensive touchdowns,
0: which means they were should, negative two.
1: Should well, they also <laughs> had an interception, another interception on top of that. So they had negative four points because they gave up thirty-five points to Tennessee, and Tennessee's got a good offense. They're a top ten offense this year for sure. However, um, you know it, it's a really tough sell. Uh, you know, and, and you may be limited on the waiver wire this week. Uh, but you know, they're like my third option. I've seen Arizona available in a lot of leagues, which surprised me.
0: Well, if Arizona is available, then I would consider them to be the top option. I really like Baltimore, but I think a lot of people picked them up last week versus Pittsburgh. That's what I did to keep them this week versus Cleveland, which is kind of like the two whammy week. Uh, but Baltimore has a bad schedule for the rest of the season. Now, San Diego, you know, I do agree that, like, they they have a, a decent matchup here. They should do okay. Uh, but I guess the, the reason why you might want to pick them up is because after they play the Dolphins at home, uh, they have a whole bunch of good matchups.
1: Yeah, but if you stream defenses, you know, go for the best one each week if, if you're just going to be streaming.
0: Yeah, but I like picking up players for for for, for a little bit of a stretch too. Like the Chargers, for example, have uh, three top ten matchups in in the next uh, six games. And, well, it's
1: definitely something to check out if you're and uh, Cleveland in Week Six. You 16. pay for transactions or anything like that.
0: <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, you're right. There are some leagues that penalize versus how many transactions you're doing. Um, I say penalize. Maybe those leagues don't agree with that terminology. Or if you have
1: a limit of transactions, then, you know, you may want to pick them up so that you don't have to make the transaction later.
0: Right. But but I I do like uh I do like Baltimore. Um and uh I I think that the Jets versus LA are an interesting one because they just don't score that much offense in general. But San Diego is a good pick uh versus Miami cuz Miami makes some mistakes, man. They really do. Uh, but that's all I have there. So thank you, Jim, for, for that once again. And for all of you guys listening, uh, make sure, like we said earlier, to check out the website for all of these articles and more, uh, thanks to our staff writers out there for providing this information. And, uh, of course we're, we're back now for the remainder of the season. So that means we'll probably do shows up to week 16. Uh, and then you're on your own because, uh, if you play week 17 fantasy football, you probably shouldn't be a friend of ours. Uh, you know, when people are just sitting out and stuff, that's that's the most ridiculous thing that's I've ever That's a
1: senseless heard. way of playing fantasy football. It's Especially senseless. of deciding a season.
0: Well, right, like, we it's played, like we played a, for an entire year, we we spent $200 in the league or whatever, and then you're going to...
1: You're at the whims of who's going to sit?
0: You're going to end up uh, losing because because Kansas City sat Alex Smith because his ankle was hurting or something. <laughs> it's That's just stupid.
1: Right, it's like <laughs> finishing the World Cup in a shootout. Right. Which is exactly what happened.
0: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. But uh, but that's all I got for today, so just remember to check us out uh, on Twitter at Drink5, Facebook at Drink5Network, uh, look for us on Stitcher at Drink5Network, and iTunes at Drink5Network, and uh, give us a review there if you guys have a couple minutes. So thanks again for listening, and uh, I hope things went the way that you wanted them to.